Hello and welcome to this week's Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Tash. I'm Becky. And I'm Emma. Hi. Hello. Yeah. Tash, did you forget what the podcast was called? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Thought so. I, I noticed a little pause and yeah. the panic. Shit, what's it called? What's it called? Why does that happen though? Like It happens a lot on other podcasts as well. I think we all do the same blubbery yeah. beginning. It's silly. How many times have we said it as well? <laughs> well, 26. Well, 26. there you go. So lots of times. Lots of times. Yeah. Everybody okay? All yeah. good in the hood. Fantastic. Aren't we a chirpy bunch? <laughs> yes, so we so. are. <laughs> <laughs> We're so happy to be talking about ghosts and murder. Woo! <laughs> murder, murder. So, is it me to start this week, Bex, or is it you? Uh, it's you to start, because I started last time with... Creepy stalker chick. The stalker story, yes. Tawny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Psycho Tawny. So you ready for some spooky stuff? I'm totally Yes. Down. Creep me out. This week, I am talking about the black-eyed kids. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of them before? No. I have an instant image in my mind, so... Yeah, me too. But I... Imagine hollowed out eyes rather than yeah. their eyes being black. So they're not hollowed out. They're not hollowed out. They have eyes, but they don't have the pupil and the iris like most people. They just have black. Creepy. They so have white in there. There's no yeah. white. Their eyeballs are just black. They're just black. They're just black. So now what I'm imagining, you know, like those fermented eggs... Oh, yeah, like those hundred-year-old egg. Yeah, that's the vision I've got of what their eyeballs look like. Well... That's what my mind's eye is telling me. Okay. I'm looking, I'm thinking more like, (laughs) I don't know, like the witcher, that kind of thing. Oh, when his eyes go all funny. Yeah, God, is he sexy. Is he? (laughs) So sexy. Have you not watched it, Tash? No. Oh, get yourself on Netflix and okay. watch that shit. Um, so I'm going to exit tonight and go watch that. <laughs> Bye, Tash. Bye. Oh, he is. No. He is um, Fanny Fluttery. Is he? He is. Yeah. He is. I wonder if he's got a pointy tongue. No, there's no way he does. No way. <laughs> oh, too many people do. <laughs> Nobody's going to know the reference there. I don't way. think anyone needs to know the reference to that. Let them think what they want. Yeah, let's leave the uh, cliffhanger. <laughs> what about all the poor pointy-tongued people out there thinking, shit, what have we done? <laughs> Stop making your tongue so pointy. Relax it. Ah, oh, yeah. Oh, like no, not a tense pointy tongue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's how I assume to make they make it pointy. I really hope that it's not that. Oh pointy no! Yeah, it's done on purpose. Yeah. Oh no! I'm thinking it's just the shape. Like they can't no. help it. <laughs> Emma, no, they're making it pointy on purpose. Oh no! Because you can make your tongue like flat, can't you? I'm trying to do it. Now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm tongue-tied though, aren't I? So I can't really. Yeah, you'd be shit lesbian. I would. Well, yeah. actually, I wouldn't, Becky, because my tongue is never pointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's not. <laughs> so, black-eyed kids. So, my sources for this week were web.archive.org, thought.catalog.com, tbsnews.net. There we go. That's good. Well okay, done. great. Thank you to all of those places. Indeed. So, black-eyed children are paranormal beings generally between ages 6 to 16. So, they appear pale-skinned and they wear unusual clothes for kids their age. Like, they don't really look that trendy. Like vampires. They look a bit dated. Yeah, and a bit like vampires. I'm not sure it's like with all the frilly blouses and funny ties and waistcoats. But they, they, the clothing looks a bit off. Like, they look out of place. Yeah. But apart from 
the black eye thing, which is horrific. So their entire eye is black, yeah? Mm-hmm. Apart from the black eyes, they look totally normal. Except a few people have said that when they've seen them, they've noticed that they have, like, hooves for feet. Like... Hooves for feet! Also, they don't walk and they clip-clop. And they eat hay! No. I'm not saying the right words. Talons for feet. Like, like, demon-y. Talons is more like a hawk. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. And then hooves, I was thinking more like a horse. A goat. Yeah, or a goat. So I think they're probably more like goats, yeah? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Which is more demony, yeah? yeah? Well, a black goat is said to be the devil, isn't he? Yeah. What, are they supposed to be like the devil's children or something? Yes. In fact, I did read that. Some people do think they are the devil's children, and if you let them in your house, then you're inviting the devil in. Yeah. When you said yes then, I felt like I was in class and I got an answer right. And, so <laughs> and that is three house points to you, Becky, for an excellent no, answer. Well for done. For Team Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> the people that encounter these children experience a feeling of extreme fear and anxiety for no apparent reason. I mean, I feel the same when I see my kids, to be fair. <laughs> and they're always asking to get in either people's cars or homes, needing a ride or needing the phone, which leads us to believe that they can't get in anywhere without actually being invited in first. Like vampires. Like vampires again. Yeah. The worst thing being that even though people's natural instinct is to be frightened and want nothing to do with these freaky kids, they feel almost compelled to let them in and really have to fight the urge to open the door. I mean, they are checking quite a lot of these boxes, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Can they go out in the sun? Do they sparkle? Do they turn into bats and fly away? (laughs) To be perfectly honest, the stories I've read about them, it's always been at night. (gasps) It's because they sparkle like Edward. So no one really knows what they are. Some think vampire, like Tash. Yeah. Or ghosts, little ghost children. Some think that they're aliens. And others think they're demons, like what Becky said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whatever they are, I'm pretty sure you don't want to meet them. No. So the first known encounter was in 1996, so pretty recently. Oh, really recent. Mm. Well, it's not really recent. I mean, it is, thank you. (laughs) We were alive, so that's recent. And it happened to a guy called Brian Bethel, who... All right, Brian. Yep. Brian, Brian Bethel. Brian Bethel. Double B. BB. Yeah, double B. <laughs> so Brian Bethel was a Texas paranormal investigator journalist. As far as I can gather, he wrote for paranormal magazines. And here is his word for word account on his experience with the black eyed kids. I don't really know what I'd call this story if I was submitting it for publication in Fate or something of its ilk. Brian versus the evil black-eyed, possibly vampiric or demonic, but at least not bloody normal kids, doesn't have much of a ring to it. It does not, Brian. (laughs) It does not. But that at least an accurate title. As so many things do, it all starts out innocently. My internet service provider used to have offices in a shopping centre before they moved to their lush accommodations elsewhere. There was a drop-off box at the original location and the monthly bill was due and thus, therefore, for the grace of the net, I went. It was about 9.30pm when I left from my relatively isolated apartments. It's about a 10 or 15 minute drive or so down to downtown. Right next to Camelot Communications' old location is a $1.50 movie theatre. At the time, the place was featuring the masterwork of a modern film, Mortal Kombat. I drove by the theatre on the way into the centre proper and pulled into an empty parking space. Using the glow of the marquee to write out my cheque, I was startled to hear a knock on the driver's side window of my car. I looked over and saw two children staring at me from the street. I need to describe them with the one feature, you can guess what it was. Their black eyes. Yeah. A charming smile. (laughs) (laughs) Their charming voices as they spoke. 
So well spoken. Well, they are very well spoken, actually. See, two points. Yeah, two yeah, things yeah, right. You're just nailing it. <laughs> yeah. So I need to describe them with the one feature you can guess what it was that I didn't realise until about halfway through the conversation cleverly omitted. Both appear to be in that summy mystical stage of life children get into where you can't exactly tell their age. Both were boys and my initial impression is that they were somewhere between 10 and 14. Boy number one was the spokesman. Boy number two didn't speak during the entire conversation, at least not in words. Boy number one was slightly taller than his companion, wearing a pullover hooded shirt with a sort of grey checkered pattern and jeans. I couldn't see his shoes. His skin was olive coloured and had curly medium length brown hair. He exuded an air of quiet confidence. Boy number two had pale skin with a trace of freckles. His primary characteristic seemed to be looking around nervously. He was dressed in a similar manner to his companion, but his pullover was a light green colour. His hair was sort of pale orange. They didn't appear to be related, at least directly. Oh great, I thought. They're going to hit me up for money. And then the air changed. Now I've explained this before, but for the benefit of any new lurkers out there, like us, we haven't heard this story before. We haven't. Do tell us. Right before I experience something strange, there's a change in perception that comes about, which I describe in the above manner. It's basically enough time to know it's too late. But we've talked about that loads, haven't we? You just get that sense of something's not quite right before something happens. So I think that's what he's talking about. So there I was, filling out a check in my car, which was still running. And in a sudden panic over the appearance of two little boys, I was confused, but an overwhelming sense of fear and unearthliness rushed in nonetheless. The spokesman smiled, and the sight, for some inexplicable reason, chilled my blood. I could feel fight or flight responses kicking in. Something I knew instinctively was not right, but I didn't know what it could possibly be. I rolled down the window very, very slightly and said, yes. The spokesman smiled again, broader this time. His teeth were very, very white. Oh, well, at least he flosses. Yep. Hey, mister, what's up? We have a problem, he said. His voice was that of a young man, but his diction was quiet, calm, and something I still couldn't put my finger on. Made my desire to flee even greater. You see, my friend and I want to go and see the films, but we forgot our money, he continued. We need to go to our house to get it. Want to help us out? That's so weird. Who does that? Black-eyed kids. Well, quite. Every time you say black-eyed kids, I think you're saying, going to say the black-eyed peas. The black-eyed peas. (laughs) Where is the love? Let's get it started. Let's get it started in here. Yeah, 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 Normally, how my stories start out with people, kids getting in cars with random people. Absolutely. It's not, yeah, it's not a normal thing for any child to want to do. Yeah. So, okay, journalists are required to talk to lots of people, and that includes children. I've seen and spoken to lots of them. Here's how it usually goes. Uh, mister, can I see that camera? I I won't break it or anything, I promise. My dad has a camera and he lets me hold it sometimes, I guess. And I took a picture of my dog. It wasn't very good because I got my finger in the way and and you add in some feet shuffling and body swaying and you've got a typical kid talking to a stranger, which is completely right, yeah? Yeah, exactly. In short, they're usually apologetic. People generally teach their children that when they talk to adults, they're usually bothering them for one reason or another, and they should at least be polite. Yeah. This kid was in no way fitting the mould. His command of language was incredible, and he showed no signs of fear. He spoke as if my help was a foregone conclusion. When he grinned, it was as if he was trying to say, I know something, and you're not going to like it. But the only way you're going to find out what it is, 
is to do what I say. Uh, well, was the best reply I could offer. Now here's where it gets strange. I mean, it was already pretty fucking strange. Well, yeah. Yeah. The quiet companion looked at the spokesman with a mixture of confusion and guilt on his face. He seemed in some ways shocked, not with his friend's brusque manner, but that I didn't just immediately open the door. He eyed me nervously. The spokesman seemed a bit perturbed too. I still was registering something wrong with both. Come on, mister, the spokesman said again, smooth as silk. Car salesman could learn something from this kid. Now we just want to go to our house and we're just two little boys. That really scared me. Something in the tone and diction, again, sent off alarm bells. Uh, I imagine him to have, like, the accent in uh, Oliver, like, please, sir, give us a <laughs> lift. Can I have some more? I don't know. That's, I know, isn't it in America, though? This is in America. Yeah. This is in Texas. We need Tom to come back <laughs> on and do an accent. Yeah. Shall I just give him a ring? bring him now (laughs) do an accent please (laughs) something in the tone and diction again sent off alarm bells my mind was frantically trying to process what it was perceiving about the two figures that was wrong uh um was all i could manage i felt myself digging my fingernails into the steering wheel what movie were you going to see i asked finally mortal Kombat, of course the spokesman said the silent nodded in confirmation, standing a few paces behind. Oh, I said. I stole a quick glance at the marquee and at the clock in my car. Mortal Kombat had been playing for an hour, the last show of the evening. The silent one increasingly looked nervous. I think he saw my glances and suspected that I might be detecting something was not above board. Come on, mister, let us in. We can't get in your car until you do, you know the spokesman said soothingly. Just let us in and we'll be gone before you know it. We'll go to our mother's house. We locked eyes. To my horror, I realised my hand had strayed towards the door lock, which was engaged, and was in the process of opening it. I pulled it away, probably a bit too violently, but it did force me to look away from the children. I turned back. Um... I offered weakly, and then my mind snapped into sharp focus. For the first time, I noticed their eyes. They were coal black. No pupil, no iris. Just two staring orbs reflecting the red and white light of the marquee. At that point, I knew my expression betrayed me. The silent one had a look of horror on his face. In a combination that seemed to indicate, A, the impossible had just happened, And B, we've been found out. The spokesman, on the other hand, wore a mask of anger. His eyes glittered brightly in the half-light. Come on, mister, he said. We won't hurt you. You have to let us in. We don't have a gun. (laughs) That's fucking reassuring. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like in America that is, though, isn't it? I suppose so. The last statement scared the living hell out of me because at that point, by his tone, he was plainly saying... We don't need a gun. Yeah. He noticed my hand shooting down towards the gear shift. The spokesman's final words contained an anger that was complete and whole and yet contained in some respect a tone of panic. We can't come in unless you let us in, okay? Just let us in. I ripped the car into reverse. Thank goodness no one was coming up behind me and tore out of the parking lot. I noticed the boys in my peripheral vision, and I stole a quick glance back. They were gone. The sidewalk by the theatre was deserted. I drove home in a heightened state of panic. Had anyone attempted to stop me, I would have run on through and faced the consequences later. I bolted into my house, scanning all around, including the sky. What did I see? Maybe nothing more than some kids looking for a ride. And some really funky contacts. Yeah, right. A friend suggested they were vampires. What with the old letters in bit and my compelled response to open the door. Your friend sounds very wise. That and the we'll go see our mother thing. I'm still not sure what they were. But here's an epilogue I find chilling. I talk about Chad a lot. Apparently Chad's his best friend. So he's still my best friend and my best ghost hunting companion, an all-around cool guy. He recently moved to Amarillo, but at the time that this happened was still living in San Angelo of rampage fame. 
Hold on a minute. Yep. Is this the way to Amory? I'm hugging my pillow. This is the way to Amarillo, where the demon children wait. <laughs> la 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 la, black eyes. Na 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 na. Let us in. Na 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 na. You will never sleep again. <laughs> Finished. That was so horrendous. It's unreal. <laughs> that was lovely. The, the claps must sound awful on the audio as well, because it always sounds awful. <laughs> what song, though? P or K? Yeah. Oh, are we? Are we good? Yeah. Yeah, I'm <laughs> grand. Okay. <laughs> I called him and talked to him briefly. He had two female friends with him at the time. Oi, oi. <laughs> Player. He is in for a good night. <laughs> Some, lots of high fives. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So both if of these... like high five two people at the same time... Isn't that a high ten? Is that a high ten? Or is it just two high fives? I think if it's the same person, it's a 10. If it's two separate people, it's two high fives. I'm glad we cleared that one up. (laughs) So he had two female friends with him um, and they were both professing some type of psychic ability. I started telling him the story, leaving out the part about the black eyes for the kicker. Mm -hmm. One of the women, because they were speaking on speakerphone, stopped me. These children had black eyes, right? She asked me. (gasps) I mean... All black eyes. Uh, yes, I said, and I was a bit taken aback. Hmm, she said. One night last week, I had a dream about children with black eyes. They were outside my house wanting to be let in. But there was something wrong with them, and it took me a while to realise that it was the eyes. I hadn't even gotten as far as them wanting to come in. What did you do, I asked. I kept the doors and windows locked, she said. I knew if they came in, they would kill me. She paused. And they would have killed you too if you'd have let them in your car. So, from this extra long post, we have three unanswered questions. A. What did I see? B. What would have happened if I opened my car door? Or you would have died. We've worked that out. (laughs) And C. Why does Chad always get the cool psychic chicks? Because Chad is a player. Chad's a Chad. (laughs) Yeah. So, now, of course, this account was met with some dubiousness. Some saying it was all a hoax. Of course, you've got to remember this is a paranormal investigator. It's kind of in his interest to have this kooky story. But Brian Bethel still says to this day that his story is legitimate and it's all true. I think if he was going to make it up, he would have gone a little bit, he would have been a bit more far-fetched. Like, and then I had to wrestle them to the ground or something like that. They yeah. tend to go out a little bit out of their way a little bit more to make it a little... You know what I mean? Like made himself this out to be the plausible. hero, a hero and stuff. I think this, this, yeah, like you say, it's plausible. Is this? Hmm. Brian, Brian. So now, if he was the only one to have had such an encounter, it would be weird, okay. But would I believe it? Probably not. But the thing is, he is far, 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 far from being the only one to have seen black-eyed children. So here's another account of someone seeing black-eyed kids. I'm just treating you tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounded dead pervy. <laughs> Didn't oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, more stories. So, it almost felt like a dream. I woke up to my dog, Lucy, barking. She was upright on the bed where my husband and I were sleeping with our 22-month-old daughter, staring at our door like an unknown stranger was out there rummaging around. I thought she was just freaking out over a house noise. We'd only had the house for three months and she was still a puppy. It could have been anything. Our roommate, a creak from the house settling, the awnings moving outside in the breeze. I wasn't too concerned initially. I decided the best bet would be to open the door and show her that nothing was there. It sounds a bit silly, but it's what we do with our daughter when she gets scared. And I figured it should work with a puppy too. I opened the door and she raced to the front door. She stood there, snarling at the door. It was an angry, violent growl. 
one I had never heard her make before. Oh, Lucy. Well, Lucy knows what's up. I looked groggily at her and opened the baby gate blocking the doorway, planning to open the door and show her everything was okay. The second my hand reached for the deadbolt, Lucy went wild. She started barking and jumped towards me, and when I touched the metal, she suddenly changed her temper. She whimpered almost like she was afraid and backing down. As her mannerism changed, so did mine. I wasn't calm anymore. My heart was racing and sinking at the same time. I had been flooded with a mixture of fear and dread. I looked through the peephole. I can't explain why I looked, but I did. And outside were two kids. One was just a smidgen shorter than me and didn't look much younger. I'm 21. She looked to be 16 or 17. She was slender and pale. Her hair was a light shade of honey blonde. She wore it long about mid-back with long, thin, blunt bangs in the front covering most of her eyes. She wore jeans, a light wash that was popular at the time, and a thin-looking olive-coloured pullover-style hoodie. She held the hand of a small girl who looked to be about three or four, in the same style jeans and a button-down ivory cardigan. The smaller one looked at the floor shyly, but had the same shade of hair tied back in a ponytail. She held a stuffed toy under her arm, and it was identical to one that my daughter had, and was the same style of dress. Had it not been for the feeling of overwhelming dread and fear, I probably would have asked these children in and given them some tea or hot chocolate to get them out of the bitter cold. But something about them seemed off. At this point, I hadn't made any noise. I hadn't shushed the dog or grumbled nothing. I hadn't turned on any lights. These kids had no indications I was at the door. But the older ones spoke. She had a voice that was mature, confident, strong and accentless. She held her head tilted downwards and I couldn't see her eyes. She said, We have to use your phone. I stood frozen in fear. How did she know I was there? She raised her head to face me directly and that was when I saw her eyes. There was a reason I couldn't see them through her bangs before. They were black or midnight blue or a dark, dark purple. They were otherworldly. She said, our mother is worried. As someone who has always been interested in creepy stories, I knew what she was the second she looked at me through the door. I have never been one to believe in these things as an atheist and sceptic when it comes to the paranormal. I had written off many a ghost story from friends and family members eager to tell their tale. I didn't believe it. Still, I couldn't rationalise my way out of this. I was standing with nothing but a thin wooden door between me and a black-eyed kid. There was no questioning what was right in front of me. I did not answer her. Slowly and silently, I backed away from the door, Lucy still cowering at my ankles. She kept talking. Just let us in to use your phone. I took another step back, and with that step, the tone changed. At first, she seemed polite. When I took that second step back, she became commanding, almost hostile. We're not going to hurt you. If we wanted to do that, we would have just broken in. I'll ask again. May we come and use your phone? Lucy snarled at the door and I inched backward, though something inside me seemed to be slowly pulling me back towards the door. Oh no. It wasn't a physical pulling so much as a subconscious need to go back and let them in. I got to my room, covered the window, locked the door and sat there in the dim light of the nightlight. I heard her call me back to the door once more and then quiet. I didn't go back to sleep that night and I haven't slept right since. I know from reading about them that black-eyed kids can't just come in without permission and I know they haven't hurt anyone but I still fear that I'll be the exception. When I told my husband, he said it was just a dream. He keeps telling me to forget it, but this lingering feeling of sadness, this dread when the house is silent at night, this fear of a knock on the door, this tells me otherwise. Thanks for that, Emma. Yeah. (laughs) That's not going to make me have nightmares at all. (laughs) Well, it's kind of the point to the podcast, right? Yeah, it is. I think kids freak me out a lot. 
Kids are creepy. Kids are creepy at the best of times. And yeah, in the middle of the night, our mother is sick. Let us in. Oh, Mm. no, thank you. (laughs) And that's what you've got to say. No, sorry. Bye. (laughs) Now, it is said that no one actually knows what happens if you let these kids in. I just guess that people didn't survive to tell the story. Yeah. But after I did some digging, I found a tale of someone who actually let them in. And here's what happened. In a snowy little town in the middle of nowhere in Vermont, an elderly couple heard the sound of three loud knocks on their door. They opened the door and saw two children, a boy and a girl. Parents will be here soon. May we come in? The children did not want to make eye contact and just stood there in the doorway. The elderly couple were hesitant, but after a while they let the boy and girl inside. The kids settled on the couch while the wife made some hot cocoa and the husband asked some questions that went completely unanswered. The wife returned and noticed that her cat was scared and angry with the children. May we please use the restroom? they asked. The wife looked at the kids and she finally saw them. The children's eyes were as black as a starless universe. She directed them to the bathroom and returned to her husband who had his hand covering his face. Did you see their eyes? The husband then showed her his hand was full of blood from a nosebleed. The power suddenly went out and the house turned as dark as the kid's eyes. Oh God, nightmare. The wife headed to the restroom and was confronted by the voice of the kids at the end of the hall uttering, Our parents are here! The kids then exited the house, leaving the door wide open. The wife then noticed that there were two men at the end of the driveway. The men were very tall and slender. The wife waved, but did not receive the same friendly gesture. The two men and children then drove away together in one car. The power then came back on a little later after the kids had left. Throughout the next week, weird things happened in the house. Three of the four cats went missing and the fourth cat was found dead in a pool of its own blood. The husband continued to have nosebleeds and finally went to the doctor where he was diagnosed with a very aggressive skin cancer. Oh dear. So that was that. That's what happens when you let them in. Oh God. I'll leave you with one final thought about these creepy kiddos. One guy who had a pretty traumatic experience with them said that they pounded on his front door all night. He knew about them and he was terrified. He of course did not let them in or interact in any way with them. But they stayed around his house right up until his wife's alarm clock went off. And then at that exact moment, they disappeared. He couldn't figure out why the alarm clock made them leave. But then he had the theory pop into his head. He already knew about the black-eyed kids, but his wife did not. So maybe knowing about them is what makes you a target. And now, thanks to me, you all know about them. Oh, you bastard. (laughs) And there you go. That's my story. Oh, well, that was good. And horrible, but good. Yeah, that wasn't... That was, yeah, creepy. I think that's going to be another one that's going to stick with me for a little while. Yeah. Good. I'm glad that's that's what I'm here I'm for. I'm going to be in the news. Kidnap uh, or like a, a child like asking for help and woman does not open door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if they've got black eyes, just don't let them in. I'll be like, look, show me your eyes, please. I imagine them all to be blonde as well. Were they all blonde? No, but you've got that image in your head from... Um... Children of the Corn. Is it Children yeah. of the Corn? Yeah. They were blonde with white eyes, weren't they? I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. I think they had white eyes, but that's why you've got that image in your head. Yeah, I think that's... So that makes it creepier. They've got all different types of hair and, you know, they just look like normal kids apart from they've got black eyes. Yee. And they don't give off the same kind of energy as a normal kid and you kind of... Your body reacts like there's something very wrong here. Yeah. As you were saying that, um, I was thinking, how could you speak to someone and not notice that they have black eyes? But then again, I think I've, 
I was speaking to someone once and I thought that they looked weird and it wasn't till I'd been speaking to them about 10 minutes that I realised I didn't have any eyebrows. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) They must have forgotten to draw them on that day. I was like, why do you look so strange? (laughs) Maybe, look, you're being horrible. Maybe they had, like, alopecia or something. No, no, they had eyelashes, though. And hair. Well, maybe, maybe. And hair, yeah, it was uh, there, well, unless the wig was really good. God, don't say anything about alopecia. Will Smith will be after you. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't hit me. If it's that, fair enough, but they'd forgotten to draw their eyebrows on that day. And um, yeah. I had definitely had seen them, this person before with eyebrows, so it must have just been that day. It must have been a rush, rush for work. You've got another thing you've got to remember about these kids. It's it, it always happens at night, so it's dark, so you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't pick up on... Yeah. You mean like right now? Yeah, like right now. <laughs> well, I just locked my, I just locked my front door. <laughs> I locked mine before we started. You wouldn't actually pick up on the fact that they had black eyes until you saw them in a better light. And like one of them had bangs and did did you notice that they had their heads down? Yeah. They were good at concealing that. Yeah, exactly. I I actually read one story where one of them turned up in sunglasses at six o'clock in the morning. So that was weird. Shall I um, start mine? Please do. Please do. Okay. Right. So... I'll give my sources at the beginning so I don't forget, like I do most episodes. Most of my notes was taken from a Forensic Files episode. Uh, it's Season 7, Episode 24. God, you're getting specific. Yeah. and Well, there's so many episodes for Forensic Files. It's seasons and seasons. There's about a million episodes per season. And then also on entrepreneur.com article and it's article 60068 in case you want to read that one as well (laughs) my story revolves around a man called philip edward rouse Uh oh we're 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 doing a full name (laughs) yeah philip was born on the 10th of december 1939 he was an army veteran and was well known at his local catholic church His wife was called Josephine Rouse. He had a daughter, Maria, and two sons, Philip and Gino. So he's got Philip Jr. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's called Philip E. Rouse. So so I wonder if it's Philip Edward as well. Are you laughing at E. Rouse? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. Yes, Mr. E. Rouse. Philip had always had a passion for classic vehicles and had been fixing them up in his free time since he was about 16 years old. He bought a 1930s a Model A Ford when he was just 20 years old and he had one dream and that was to open up a shop restoring these antique cars. In 1997, he made it happen. He left his job and opened a classic car shop. Oh, good for in him. In Memphis, Tennessee. So, Hang on, yeah. let's just not get too excited. We don't know if he's a good guy yet. Okay, <laughs> Emma. Dreams do come true. This has got to be a record of sing songs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to collect them all and, and we'll release a CD. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sung so many more songs as well, but I held back. You were clicking your fingers to that one, so you were really into it. <laughs> oh, on last week's episode, Becky, you did. You know, you know when something spooky happens and we go da da da, or we go da 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 da. Yeah, I did the Batman yeah, song. Yeah, you did. <laughs> What's the Batman I didn't realise what it was at first when at the time. So then when I listened to it again, I was like, "That's what fucking is the Batman. Batman song." It was na 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 Batman, and it was only when I was editing that I realised I was like, I know that, isn't that Batman? Did you think what a well, Becky? Well, it just makes me love you more. 
I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> what, when, when we try and be spooky, you're just going to do the Batman thing? <laughs> It's going to be like, oh my god. That was a good one. That's Pink Panther, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Nothing to do with spookiness. No, but I feel like people could think it was spooky. People would think they're singing the Pink Panther weirdly. <laughs> I think that's a good one. What do you mean weirdly? That was so good. Right, let's keep going, because we can just keep going and going and going. Mr. E. Rouse, he's got his car. (laughs) E. Rouse was the son. Oh, so we're not talking about the son. No, we're talking about the dad, Phillips. He's also called Philip Edward Rouse, so I suppose he is E. Rouse as well. (laughs) And he was aroused by classic cars because he opened a shop. Nice. Which was his lifelong dream. I'm just confused about the timeline. Sorry to be a nuisance. Didn't you say he was in his 20s? Right. He was born in 1939. He bought his first like for a model a ford when he was 20 but he doesn't have kids at this time no he doesn't no right so I, I introduced him and then we're going back in time to when he, this is explaining where his like love of of cars came from but it wasn't until 1997 when he had his wife and kids already yeah when that's when he decided that he wanted to open this shop i suppose that's bad he was in what late 50s Oh, God. 50, 54. Right. Okay. I'm with you with the timeline. I think it's by the time. I think it's more like he wanted to do it as like a semi-retirement job, possibly. Or it might be you have to be 54 before you get enough money to decide to be able to open a business. Okay. That's depressing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. What were you saying about dreams, Tash? <laughs> dreams can come true. No, they can't. Why not? I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Emma. <laughs> no, they can't. <laughs> I'm such a defeatist as well. I'm just like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Philip's vast knowledge and expertise, along with being a generally nice guy, made the shop's business grow quicker than what he could keep up with. Oh, well done, Phil. Uh, after a few months of opening. Let's not back him just yet, Tash, okay? We don't know where this is going. You're so suspicious, Emma. Just go along with it, babes. <laughs> yeah, innocent till proven guilty, Emma. She said his full name, I'm suspicious. Don't yeah. be suspicious, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. Right, so <laughs> they were already... <laughs> Did you make that one up? No. That's a thing, that isn't is it? Thing, is that a real yeah. song? It's like All a right. TikTok song, isn't it? Yeah. All right. I'm so old. <laughs> so after a few months of opening, there were already two cars in the shop and 30 on the waiting list. Wow. So. Mr. Popular. This is booming. Yeah. yeah, because also the turnaround on a classic car is not necessarily quick. No, no. I imagine it'd be good turnaround, but... Yeah, having to take... If it's just him, obviously I don't know the setup in his shop. I'm going to say, how the fuck do you know what the turnaround on a classic car is? I just know. <laughs> <laughs> She's a woman of mo- much knowledge yeah, and many yeah, skills. I know lots of things about lots of things, all right? So one day, Steve White, Phil's best friend, a neighbour of 15 years, pops his head over the fence and asks whether he could join his business as a silent partner. He just did that over the fence. That's a kitchen conversation, at least. No, that's not an over the fence conversation. Exactly. Over the fences, do you want to come over for a coffee? And then we'll talk business. Exactly. Exactly. Steve. Glad we're on the same page. Um, <laughs> he'd said that he'd put up $5,000 and take care of the paperwork side of the business. Phil said, I thought that was a sweet deal. And if I don't have to worry about paperwork, that's going to be great because my fun was really was in restoring the cars. Yeah. Phil's good friend, so Kenneth Cohello, also known as Kimo, that was his nickname. He also joined the company. That feels risky to me. Yeah, two people straight away. But yeah, Steve was supposed to be a silent partner, just putting some capital in. And then Kimo was working more in the garage. Right. So they can get quicker turnover. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that turnover time would be turnover times two. Well, it'd be double time, wouldn't it? <laughs> double time, triple time. Cut that time in half. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, anyway, things were going great for Phil and his business. Until about two months later, Phil, unfortunately... Phil shagged Steve's wife. <laughs> chemo shagged both their wives. <laughs> Go on, chemo. <laughs> Phil, unfortunately, became ill. Oh, no. He lost 30 pounds, which is 13 kilos or just over two stone. Oh, that'd be a great day. <laughs> <laughs> He's already pretty skinny when when you see pictures of him. He's quite a skinny man. But he also lost this weight for no apparent reason, which is never really a good sign. That's no. a terrible sign. Especially a man of his age, like... Yeah. I know it's not old, but it's also... Yeah, you're getting into more of the riskier ages. Yeah. No, that's kind of screaming cancer to me, but... Wow. Yeah. And then he started to go a bit... Getting a little bit confused, and then just being so tired, and everything started hurting, like his hands, his feet, his stomach, everything was really painful. And then he said to his wife one day, I think I'm getting Alzheimer's because I just was on my way to work and I forgot my way to the shop. Oh, no. You know, just getting really confused and upset. So, obviously, Phil went to the doctors and um, the doctors looked into it. They sent him for scans and everything. And then restoring automobiles sometimes involves using chemicals and solvents that can cause these types of symptoms if the garage is not properly ventilated. So doctors kind of brush that off saying, no, it's really not likely because no one else was sick. It's just uh, just Phil. So $20,000 in medical bills oh. later. Do you know what? America, seriously, what is your healthcare? What's going on? Shocking, isn't it? How yeah. do you afford to get sick? I don't understand. They have to have insurance. And, and as well, he had his... He was uh, in the military before, so he's. I think he still had his military insurance. So he was insured. Unless that stops as soon as you come out. Yeah, he's still in. He's still got insurance and that, but it just depends on what they cover, and they can decide from one day to the next. Oh, we're not covering that anymore. He said he was just suffering so so bad. The doctors just couldn't determine the cause. All of his scans came back clear. No cancer. No nothing coming up in his blood tests. And so one of the doctors in the end just suggested that he went to see a psychiatrist and they might all be in his head. Oh, do you know what? I'm so sick of doctors going, we don't know what's wrong with you, so it's all in your head. They love saying that, don't they? Weight loss is not in your head, though, is it? No. This is literally the battle I've had for the past eight months with all the fucking weird symptoms I've had. And I'm actually now in therapy because somebody... One of the doctors just thought, she's absolutely mental, it's all in her head, she needs help. When I absolutely did need help, because I was sick. Yeah. Oh, it's our body, we know when we're sick. Exactly. This is what Phil kept saying on the forensic files, he's just saying that he knows something's wrong. Because you don't go from being completely normal... And also, everything was going good in his life. It's not like he has had a failing business and everything else was going wrong. He was really enjoying himself. All his dreams had come true. Yeah, exactly. So Phil became convinced that someone was trying to poison him to the point where, after a while, he went to the local sheriff's office and said if he ever turned up dead that he wanted an autopsy to be done because he thinks someone's trying to kill him. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, is someone trying to poison him? Yeah, and uh, he didn't get the best reaction from police because police are wankers, and they were really sceptical. Hang on, hang on. It is a strange thing to say. Hang on. It It is a strange thing to say, yes. Let's just back up two secs. Not all police are wankers. Those police were wankers. Somerset. Exactly. That's what I meant. Right. This, these particular police were wankers. If any police are listening, you're lovely. Oh, yeah. I completely love the police. But these <laughs> police were wankers. <laughs> well, but then again, I don't know how he came in and had expressed his feeling. He could have sounded a little bit, a little bit crazy. A little bit it wacky. Depends how he, yeah, it depends how 
It depends if he came in and was like, someone's trying to kill me. Like that. It depends how he brought it across. Not wanting to blame Phil either. But anyway, he actually looked over and caught one of the detectives doing the, you know, twiddling his hand. Like saying, oh, look at him, he's crazy. Kind of thing. Pointing at Phil. And uh, that really upset him. And at first, Phil's family thought he might be exaggerating a few things as well, which is, oh, bless him. He was just trying to tell everyone and everyone's kind of not listening to him. I mean, his family listened to him pretty quickly, but he thought that he might be exaggerating everything and going a little bit too quickly to the poison inside. Mm. Yeah. This is sounding very familiar. Yeah. Imagine knowing something is wrong and no one's listening to you. I can totally imagine it. Yeah. And then on a better day, he heard rumours that some of the checks that his company had written out to suppliers had bounced. So while he was sick, Steve Wise, the neighbour, his friend, had taken over Phil's side of the company, you know, just running it with, with uh, chemo. While, while Phil's not very well, cause he couldn't, he couldn't even get out of bed most days, so he couldn't go into work. So Phil, on a better day, when he felt a bit better, he went into work and see if he could catch up on a bit of paperwork if, if Steve's been struggling. So what happened next seemed too surreal to be true. Phil discovered his partner was stealing money from the business. Mm-mm. That's cause you didn't have a conversation at the kitchen table, you did it over the fucking fence. Yeah. So he found this out after Kimo told him that two suppliers had put them on a cash basis because they weren't getting paid properly or on time. Yeah. He confronted Steve and he just shrugged it off, saying that it's not true. Oh, fuck you, Steve, you dodgy motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, Steve's a dick, mate. Steve's his best mate, though. Yeah, that's muggy as fuck. So he had a look at the business account, filled it, uh, saw that Steve had been... Paying his own personal phone bills, his own military health insurance, and even wine and beer with the business account. So he'd just been helping himself, paying all of his bills and helping himself to the business yeah. account. And this is a business that's just taken off, so there's not a lot of capital there. This is why Steve came in to get a little bit more capital in the old treasury. Yeah. yeah. Phil also, so going through everything, Phil also found a check for $127 that had gone to a company called American National. Unfamiliar with this company, he decided to call them. Person on the other end of the phone confirmed that the check was for a life insurance. The life insurance was for $100,000. So the life insurance was on Phil. But the beneficiary was Steve Wright. Oh, come on. What? Steve had taken a life insurance policy out on Phil and put himself as the beneficiary. Right. So he's basically planning to kill Phil. Yeah. Yeah. And there was no, there wasn't a second policy for the other way around. There was no policy on Steve putting Phil as the beneficiary. It was just the other way around. So yeah, Phil found that really suspicious. No shit. That's proper suspicious. I don't think you can get more suspicious. And through all this, Phil was getting more and more sick. One night, he was had such a bad stomach ache, and his belly felt like it was on fire. He just like lied down on the tile floor, hoping that the cool tiles would would help. Because he just didn't know what to do with himself. Phil tried to talk to Steve many times, even having him and his wife over for dinner so that they could talk about the business. And that every time he tried to approach Steve and talk about the, the financial state of the business, Steve would get really angry and storm out. A few days after confronting Steve, Phil gets a phone call from the bank. They said that Steve had gone and closed the company account and had withdrawn all the money. Bloody hell. The only reason the bank had called Phil was because there were checks outstanding when he closed the account. And apparently Steve said that he didn't care about the outstanding checks and he wanted to take what was in the bank and close it anyway. So there was $2,943 left in that account. So Phil, he earned 50% of the business. So he thought that things like this couldn't happen without his knowledge or without him signing off on things like this. Well, yeah. Yeah, so he gets a lawyer involved and the lawyer looked into this and Phil was shocked to realise that he only actually earned 
2% of the business and Steve owned 98%. How did that happen? What? Do you remember when he said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give this capital, but I'll sort out all the paperwork. I'll do all the paperwork. What a bastard. Mm. So he'd been completely duped out of that. So when Steve had offered to do the paperwork that Phil was happy not to do, Steve had, in fact, scammed Phil out of his own business. He was completely duped. Even the real estate, so the garage and the small warehouse that Phil earned, was transferred over to Steve, and Steve had put them up for sale. So the only thing I was thinking of is, I know that France is really stupid with all of its stupid paperwork, but at least this doesn't happen. Yeah. Because he was still ill. Phil decided to go and see another doctor and see if he can get any proof that maybe Steve had been poisoning him to get his business. So he found one of the US's most experienced toxicologists, and he was Dr. Meridian. Phil told this doctor the story, and they did a test for heavy metals, so things like mercury poisoning and stuff. Yeah. The doctor also did a physical exam, and he said he was one of the worst cases he'd seen. His, like, hands, there's, like, no motor control in his legs, barely. He was just, like, slowly turning paralysed. The test came back positive. He'd been poisoned with arsenic and mercury. Oh my god. So those are things are not that are not in your system by accident. You don't really Well one would hope not. Yeah. <laughs> mercury you can possibly find traces if you eat a lot of seafood and like in just before the fish test. It's in there, isn't it? But Yeah. Um But you'd have to eat a lot of it and then Phil said that he didn't. And then arsenic, I think it's in I didn't realise this, but it's in apple seeds. Yeah, it is. And I used to eat apple seeds because yeah. it tastes almondy and it's actually the arsenic i suppose that i'm tasting it will be all right though <laughs> yeah but you'd have to eat a lot of them and a lot of actual apple cores as well to get arsenic poisoning from that my youngest eats the whole apple yeah she'd have to eat a lot of apples though because i used to eat uh, nearly the whole core and i used to eat all the seeds because they taste nice yeah she literally she just eats the whole thing apart from the apart from the stalk yeah no, you need, um, um, one apple's fine, but yeah, probably tell her not to do that. <laughs> so police opened an investigation because they believe Phil now. The toxicologist told Phil not to cut his hair because turns out when you get heavy metal poisoning, traces get deposited in the root of the hair. And as it grows out, it kind of leaves a timeline of when you were poisoned. Do you know what I mean? So as the root grows, it goes along the hair as it's growing. So medical forensics can do its job and work out the approximate date that someone was poisoned. So that's really cool. Forensic file did the whole... It's very cool. Did the whole thing with their music and that when it was like, do, 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 do. They could see the traces of the poison... And then it was clear for the time that he spent in the hospital, Phil was in the hospital for quite a long time getting all of his tests done. And then when Phil came out of the hospital, after a while he had a meal with Steve and got sick again. And then there was a trace of poison there again. Because they can work out how fast your hair grows because everyone's hair kind of grows at the same rate and they can they can map it as well as his hairs grow in. Yeah. Um, so Phil had a thing and he recalled a few times and dates where he, one time he went out for a meal with Steve and Steve was acting really weird. So they ordered and not long after they ordered, Steve complained about poor service and went into the kitchen to get his food. One, super rude. You don't go into a kitchen when you're in a restaurant to get your food. Anyway. No. He came out with Phil's plate, but not his own. Almost as if he'd gone into the kitchen to hide what he's going to be putting in his plate. Mm. And every time he had a meal with him, he was really, really sick afterwards. And then also he recalls a few times that Steve came to Phil's house for coffee. Then he, to talk about work and stuff. But then he'd ask for something where Phil would have to leave the room to go and get something that he needed. 
So he'd be on, Steve would be on his own with Phil's coffee, ready to put something in there. That's convenient, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Police also found that Steve had over 90,000 credit card debt. Bloody hell. So that $100,000 life insurance would have been good to get him out of the shit. Steve also used to be a chemist and knew about poisons and heavy metals. That's convenient as well. Mm -hmm. Wasn't the other poisoner that you did a chemist? I think he was at one point. Yeah. I knew a lot about it. The one that they found in a Speedo. Yeah. yeah. No, in a bikini. Oh, no, it was (laughs) a bikini. Police eventually got a warrant and found in the garage, again, like the other poisoner, in a bottle marked baking powder was like a vial full of arsenic. And then also in an envelope hidden behind a picture frame, they found more traces of some mercury arsenic atrimony and and lead i think it was they're all poisonous heavy metals if you get them in your system it, it creates the symptoms what phil's been having chemo also testified that he remembered that phil and him got sick after steve went out and got them burgers and even at the time they joked that they'd never get steve to get burgers again because uh obviously he chooses wrong and they got really ill afterwards yeah so eventually they collect all this evidence together and uh, go to court. It does go to trial. Steve's main defense was if he didn't, he does know a lot about poisons, but surely he would just have given him a dose to kill him. The, the amounts that he, that Phil had in his system were trace amounts, just enough to make him sick and not kill him. But the prosecution said that this was done on purpose to make it look like he was sick and then like had a long-term yeah. illness. And then if a physician was calling time of death, they, they wouldn't look into it if no one suspected. So the jury would vote in Phil's favour and they sentenced Steve guilty of first degree attempted murder along with theft and sales tax related charges. So all in all, he got 35 years in prison. Oh, quite a long time then. Yeah. It's not long enough, really, though. Yeah. A lot of that actually was from the sales tax, you know, missing out on your taxes. Gets you a lot of time in prison, too. Not for trying to murder his best mate. Yeah. Well, a lot of it was circumstantial. They didn't have solid, solid proof. I'm not sure if it would have gone through as as easy. I don't think I don't know if it would have gone through now in nowadays. Anyway, they still found him guilty because you know life insurance and all the other stuff was building up against him, and he basically stole the man's business as well, which was illegal. So when the forensic files episode that I watched was filmed early two thousands, Philip was in a wheelchair at the time, dealing with the physical and financial repercussions of the crimes. Steve. Um, had done to him and he was moving on with his life and he said and this is a quote i don't want to sound like a hero but there's nothing that i can do but accept what's happened to me and of course i'm confined to a wheelchair but i remember that i did walk for 60 years and then lots of people that never walked at all yeah and uh yeah a little sweet and then whilst phil laughs about this when asked about ever going to, into business again with a, with a partner again, he said, well, it's highly unlikely your partnership will end as horribly as his did, but you still need to really be careful of who you enter yeah. into business with. So just to sum up at the end, the perpetrator, Stephen White, was sentenced to 35 years in prison, and he died in prison in 2008 oh. at the age of 60 of natural causes. Natural causes at 60? I know. I don't know. He must have had a heart attack. Oh, boo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, after a brave battle with lung cancer, Phil also died on Thursday, 30th of December 2005, at the age of 65, leaving his wife, three children, his mum and his three grandchildren. What's also sad is Kenneth Kimo... Kahila, the third partner in the business, 
also died in 2013 at the age of 47. Oh, oh, I'm not sure what of, but I think if he also got poisoned with the heavy metal, that does stay in your system for a long time. Yeah. That does. If it was anything like that, I really think it's connected to the poisonings. Oh. Apparently, whenever this particular show airs on television again, you know, Forensic Files is all reruns. Yeah. A lot of doctors' offices in the area get phone calls from people who believe they're being poisoned. <laughs> and uh, these calls c- come from all areas all over the United States. And then most people are just so desperate and no one believes them so that they have to look into it. So anytime that happens, people don't know it's a thing. You don't think of heavy metal poisoning. No. You just kind of think of cancer and what's wrong with me. You don't think of stuff like well, that. Well, that's what, yeah, that's the f- when you said the weight loss, I automatically thought cancer. Yeah, exactly. But there's no respecting doctor that would look at somebody who lose that amount of weight for no apparent reason and go, meh, it's in your head. Well, they did. Yeah, That's and crazy. if he was a woman, they'd be like, is your period due? Are you sure you're not pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Well, thanks for that, Becky. Yeah, at least he didn't get murdered, but... Well, he he kind of did, though. Yeah, I think he got murdered in the long run. Yeah, yeah it was long murder. Mm. Yeah, he's such a sweet guy he's, he's interviewed all through the forensic files episode and he says at the end you know he was like who won in this he was like i didn't win he didn't win no who wins no one wins bless him there we are that's the story of phil edward rouse oh. e rouse well thank you very much ladies yeah so i think we've done a good job of being terrifying and depressing yeah <laughs> As always, as always. Our, work, <laughs> our always. work here is done. And you know, there's been a bit of singing in there. So Yeah. There's been quite a lot of singing, to be fair. Something for one. everyone. We have to do something to bring up the mood when we're talking about death children and poisoning people. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Okay then, should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's. We want to hear from you, so look at the description of the episode and find out where you can find us. Yeah. And as always, please send an email in if you have any creepy stories, ghost stories, hometown murders, or just something interesting. If you could send us an email at chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. So stay safe, guys. Don't poison people. And keep it weird. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Did you hear? <laughs> Did you hear my cat? <laughs> cat was like, bye. <laughs> bye cat (laughs) cat says bye bye